Hare Krishna, Vanchakalpa Trubhis Chakrapa Sindhu Bhavatitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavayunamo Namaha. So we're here to continue uh, with Srimad Bhagavatam 12th Canto, which is called uh, Chapter 2. We've, we've gone, done one, the dynasties of Kali Yuga, and now Chapter 2 is the symptoms of Kali of Kali Yuga, actually, which uh, are immediately recognizable. And uh, we've gone up, we've gotten up to uh, text number three. Uh, so before we start, I'll go like this. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya so just, uh, I'll read the translations of the f- first text. Uh, Shukadev Goswami said, remember Shukadev is talking to Maharaj Prikshit. Then, O King, then referring to what happens uh, at the end of the last one when the uh, low-class kings will come to the throne. <laughs> That's what they're called in these, uh, uh, yeah, the no good guys, those rulers who are, what are they called in the Kriya, you know, devoid of regulative principles. (laughs) These are the ones. So. Then, so after they've come to the throne, then, O King, religion, truthfulness, cleanliness, tolerance, mercy, duration of life, physical strength, and memory will all diminish day by day because of the powerful influence of the age of Kali. Uh, text 2. In Kali Yuga, Wealth alone will be considered the sign of a man's good birth, proper behavior, and fine quality. So all of those things. <laughs> Just money. You've got it. And law and justice will be applied on the basis of one's power, his strength. You can say his influence. So now we're up to text uh, three, with his again uh, predicting. So the Sanskrit goes like this: Dampatye biruchir hetu mayaeva vyavaharike stritve pumstve chahi ratir vipratve sutramevahi. The translation is. Men and women will live together merely because of superficial attraction and success in business will depend on deceit. Womanliness and manliness will be judged according to one's expertise in sex and a man will be known as a brahmana just by his wearing a thread. Uh, so if you uh, uh, dum the these words are dumpatye. Uh the word dum 
Dampache is a compound, uh, dam uh, and pati, uh, really dampati, which means uh, literally dampati means the lord of the house. But this is in the dual, the two lords of the house, the two masters means the husband and the wife. So that's what that's that's what this relationship of husband and wife. So that having that relationship of uh, being a, a householder, uh, because the word dham means house and pati is lord, so the two lords of the house. There's another Sanskrit word, shishudan, the child of the house. <laughs> so, uh, uh, it goes like that. Uh, so this this dampatye, this uh, relationship of hu- husband and wife, or whatever, uh, 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 is the the reason for that. Is uh, well, the word they use here is abiruchi, uh, which is translated here as superficial attraction. Uh, the word uh, abiruchi in dictionary meaning is to be pleased or attracted, delighting in somebody, being pleased with somebody. Uh, and so here it's translated as superficial attraction. Banu Swami, on the other hand, when he uh, translates it, uh, just pleasure. Uh, 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 so, for example, in, in the Bhagavatam, uh, Prabhupada quotes this this section uh, when he talks about Kali Yuga. Uh, in the purport, in the ninth uh, uh, ninth canto, eighteen twenty three, he says, "Marriage now takes place simply by agreement, dampatye biruchir hetu." The word abiruchi means agreement. That's how he does it in that context. And then uh, uh, in another place in a lecture, Prabhupada says, the relationship between husband and wife will depend on abiruchi, they're liking each other. If a girl likes a boy and the boy likes a girl, then they think, all right, now let's the marriage take place. No one ever knows what the future of the girl and boy will be. Therefore, everyone becomes happy. Uh, uh, therefore, everyone becomes unhappy. Six months after marriage, divorce. This was because the marriage took place simply on the basis of superficial liking, not deep understanding. Uh, the way Prabhupada explains this elsewhere, and they may do it in the BBT report here, I can't remember, but Prabhupada explains, yeah, like sometimes you get married, even when you're children, you know, live together, but the marriage is there, and they know, they know you'll be compatible because they've gone to Brahminical people who can do properly do astrology, who knows? Oh, these two, they, if they get married, there's kuja dosh. They, you know, you'll have to marry somebody else with it. You know, they know 
all these things because astrology is also a science when you really know what you're doing, which of course almost nobody does anymore. <laughs> but but that that could be done, and so you 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 would uh, you you would uh, know these. Uh, know these things. And Prabhupada talks about it uh, somewhere that that uh, yeah, he, his parents arranged his marriage when he was very, very young. His wife wasn't even reached puberty yet. And it worked out because, you know, they were uh, compatible. Their marriage didn't get difficulty until Prabhupada wanted to become a devotee. <laughs> that, that, was, that wasn't apparently in the stars. <laughs> but uh, 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 that that's that's what it was done. So it was done with this idea of getting very very compatible people who will stay together and properly raise a family. And it wasn't just because if if you take the the superficial attraction uh, sort of uh, a, a, a idea, yeah, you get married, then you get bored with each other, you get divorced, get married again. And it goes on and on and on and on, and uh, and you have these very weird uh, families and uh, children all over the place. And anyway, uh, so they don't last. But this was it wasn't it wasn't really simply by uh, 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 two people getting together. And and in the Indian system, when when there was a marriage. It wasn't just two people; it was two families coming like this. You know, it was like quite a, quite a, a, a bigger, big social occasion, like this. Um, uh, so then, uh, so that's what the, and then uh, the next thing that may be familiar, Hetu uh, Maya. Uh, Eva-vya-vya-harika. People will... uh, uh, Success in business uh, is... Vya-vya-harika sort of just means affairs, you know. Uh, It's a word for business. Uh, Social... Yeah. uh, is uh, maya, which here means deceit, cheating. Uh, that's what happens. You notice? They do all kinds of things. <laughs> we're just reading about how uh, in, the, in the newspapers today how the how how the drug industry caused the opioid epidemic uh, by getting congressmen who they gave a lot of donations to to change the rules and the law governing the uh, drug enforcement agency to prevent them from to let things go by and practically no one noticed it it was like a real stealth job what it meant or understood the meaning of what the, the little changes were and uh, that let the opioid epidemic, if you want to know what caused it, it's yeah, doctors prescribing things uh, and being allowed to do so by, by uh, the drug companies. 
addicts were the best businessmen, and their, they felt their competition was the Sonola Cartals and Cartals and things like that. <laughs> so uh, everything is uh, deceit, you know, or trickery, and uh, Maya could be all these kinds of, of things. There's a famous guy who was in the advertising agency who uh, was, they were given the job of writing the label of the bottle of some kind of shampoo. And this guy became famous because it says, lather, rinse, instructions, lather, rinse. And then he put in the word, repeat. And their, their sales doubled. <laughs> He became famous. He was always his nickname was always Repeat after that because he became so. Uh, uh, so uh, I mean that's that was in the fifties. So that's pretty innocent. Now what's going on is that Repeat phenomenon a huge scale, you know? And I remember even when I was in, I guess, still in high school. Uh, this guy named Vance Packard wrote the, this book about planned obsolescence. So the reason the automobile styles changed every year was so you, after two years, you know, they, Detroit, if they wanted to, could make an automobile that would last for decades, but they wanted to go out of fashion and not only to fall apart, but also, you know, uh, this year we have to have this kind of tail fin, and this year you have to have this kind of headlights, and this year, and so this is called planned obsolescence. So you just feel bad, you know, that your car is old. Everybody can see that your car. So this was the the, the, the kind of things that were that were happening, uh, and people were shocked to find out they were being had and manipulated. But guess what, you know. Uh, and so then the next thing in the verse, uh, 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 this uh, st- th- this word you see here too, stritve, pumstve, uh, uh, this is in the locative case, is uh, uh, for for uh, womanliness, the the uh, tva twa ending. In Sanskrit, is like uh, saying "ness," so uh, womanliness and, and masculinity or maleness, uh, femininity, masculinity, uh, womanliness, manliness. These are the uh, 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 meaning of these words. Uh, what does it mean to be, you know, a, a, a good woman or a good man? Uh, rati, uh, sex. That's that's it, the only thing, which uh, and then uh, finally, uh, and a, a man will be known as a brahmana just by wearing a thread. Oh, yeah, the, the brahminical thread is for the. Brahmanas in uh, in India. Otherwise, if you're you're a priest, if you you know wear the right costume or do the right formula to go through the right motions, then you're okay. You're clergy. You're you're like that. Uh, 
So let me read the uh, purport. Maybe they're going to repeat some things. I should have waited until anyway. So the purport, it says, just as human life as a whole has a great and serious purpose, namely spiritual libera- liberation. This was Prabhupada's, st- one of the pithy statements, human life is meant for self-realization. Uh, that's the point of human life, self-realization. And the corollary, not sense gratification. But self-realization is apparently thought to be not good for the economy. So <laughs> anyway, uh, just as human life has a, has a great and serious purpose, namely spiritual liberation. That, you know, there's a human potential movement. This is it. This is the human potential. It's liberation. Uh, fundamental human institutions such as marriage and child rearing should all be dedicated to that great objective. Unfortunately, in the present age, the satisfaction of the sex impulse has become the overriding, if not the exclusive, reason for marriage. Well, now you don't have to go into marriage either. That's that's the other thing, you know. Uh, 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 it goes on, the sexual impulse, which induces the male and female of almost every species to combine physically, and in higher species also emotionally, is ultimately not a natural urge, because it is based on the unnatural identification of the self with the body. Yeah, because Prabhupada explains that that uh, when the, the spirit soul comes into contact with material nature, the endowment of the soul is love for Krishna. Uh, and, and love means the desire to make the other happy. To, pl- to, to Simply to make the other happy. And when there's real love, you don't care. You're ha- you don't have, Prabhupada says this, a, a, a devotee has no other way of experiencing happiness except by seeing that Krishna is happy in all respects. Uh, so that, that when there's actually love, you don't mind sacrificing anything. You just want that person to be happy. You don't ask for anything back. It's not a business deal. It's, it's love. love uh, St. Augustine's definition of love means love means to want the other to be. Well, there's another good definition. The philosopher Simone Weil, she says, uh, uh, love is pure attention to the existence of another. Notice the word pure in there. Huh? No idea of exploiting. Just uh, So th- th- this is love, to give satisfaction to the other. Lust is the opposite, to use everything else for your satisfaction. And you don't care about the other. The more lust is strong, the more the less you care about them. Uh, 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 so that, that's, that's uh, uh, the difference. So, so people don't anymore, uh, because the modes of passion is increasing, uh, and the mode of goodness is not cultivated anymore. Uh, there is no elevation of goodness or the mode of goodness, which is why all, the whole whole thing of transcendence 
is completely opaque to people. They have lost their capacity for the experience of transcendence. Uh, they substitute other things, and they look for happiness in the material world. Uh, but the result of that is misery. Because, uh, again, I'll quote another famous, this is uh, Frederick Nietzsche, Alle Lust will Ewigkeit, all joy wants eternity. All joy seeks eternity. Because we're eternal beings and we want eternal happiness, and all you get is this little piece of a few cheap thrills, and then it's over, and you say, what was that all about? And then you die. This is what happens to people uh, nowadays. And of course they're unsatisfied. And the people who have really, you know, gotten everything, uh, gotten, you know, have uh, uh, four mansions around the world, have yachts, have air, private airplanes, same problem at the end. What are we, what, what, is that, what, what, it didn't, somehow there's an unfelt need somewhere, you know. That's uh, all, yeah. So, so this is what happens. So we see this, he says here, God intends human life to be an opportunity for us to rectify the illusory mode of existence and return to the vast satisfaction of pure godly existence. And this is possible. I, 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 more and more it's clear when Prabhupada uses the term science of self-realization. He means it's science. There's, there, there's a way to do it. There's instructions how to do it. It's repeatable. It's confirmable. Uh, we know how it's done step by step. If something goes wrong, people can say, yeah, this is the problem, this is the problem, fix this, fix that. It's science. Uh, and it means it's a repeatable uh, process, uh, quite open to, to almost everybody. Uh, who wants to do it, uh, and who's honest, uh, and uh, verifiable. All these, all these things, that's a science. Uh, science means, uh, it gives you vijnana. Vijnana means knowledge. Uh, vijnana, which V is the, in the front of it, is like an all-purpose intensifier in Sanskrit, and it means experienced knowledge, realized, Prabhupada uses the term realized knowledge. Realized means you've seen for yourself, which is the definite. And also, even today, if you wanted to take the modern word science and translate it into Sanskrit, you'd have to say vijnana. And that's what, that's what people do when they do those kind of things. That, that's, what, that's, what, that's the meaning of it. Uh, so, that we have this science of self-realization, this this understanding to get there. So it's that opportunity, and we ha have a method. But because our identification with the material body is a long historical affair, it is difficult for most people to immediately break free from the demands of the materially molded, molded mind. Remember, it's the mind that's really, if you're practicing yoga, really, of any kind of yoga, you're dealing with the mind. Mind is the center of yoga practice. Uh, and the mind is where you have got habits established. You repeat things. And you have to reprogram. It's, it's like a computer that you program. It goes on in a certain way. 
But you have a higher faculty known as buddhi, intelligence, which allows you to go in and retrain the mind. And then once you get the habits of self-realization, again, you can, you know, you're in a groove again. The transition is hard. It shouldn't really take us 25 years. Uh, but uh, but it's uh, but after after you've made that transition and gotten in the habits of self-realization, first of all, you're happy all the time. Probably one of his things he said in the early days when he came, I have taken hippies and turned them into happies. <laughs> Formerly they were morose, <laughs> lying in the street. Anyway, <laughs> let's go on. Because of our because, but because our identification of the material body is a long historical affair, it is difficult for most people to immediately break free from the demands of the materially molded mind. Oh, by the way, long historical affair means when you change bodies, you don't change your mind. It goes with you. It's the, uh, the, at the, the time of death, the, the soul, along with the subtle body, goes out of the gross body. And according to the disposition and the things in the subtle body, manas, buddhi, ahankara, it takes another gross body. That's what happens. So we, when you're born, you've got a history already. And if, you, if you've had children, have been around little children, they have personalities right from the back, you know, right from the get-go. They're individuals. And how did that happen? Well, that's that, that, that karma. Uh, uh, so you, it's hard to break free, free from the materially molded mind. Therefore, the Vedic scriptures prescribe sacred marriage in which a so-called man and a so-called woman may combine in a regulated spiritual marriage, marriage sheltered by overarching religious injunction. Uh, and this way in marriage can be also a vehicle for self-realization. Um, in this way, the candidate for self-realization who has selected family life can derive adequate satisfaction for his senses and simultaneously please the Lord within his heart by obeying religious injunctions. The Lord then purifies him of material desires. Well, everybody actually. When you start to try to become free from material desires, that's when you discover how deep-rooted they are. Uh, that's what happens. When I was a kid, I saw an Elmer Fudd cartoon where there's this guy growing a garden and, and his, his enemy is uh, the rabbit, uh, Bugs Bunny, yeah. And so Bugs Bunny's getting in his garden, so they got these wars going on. And one that's really funny is he goes out one day and he sees these carrots disappearing on the ground because Bugs Bunny has bur burrowed underground and is pulling the carrots down, and then there's a tug of war with the carrots. So sometimes it seems like that you're trying to pull out your deep-rooted material desires, <laughs> and somebody seems to be on the other end pulling them the other way. Uh, well, it goes on. In Kali Yuga, this deep understanding has been almost lost. That is about the purpose of human life. And as stated in this verse, Men and women combine like animals solely on the basis of mutual attraction to bodies made of flesh, bone, membrane, blood, and so on. In other words, 
In our modern godless society, the weak, superficial intelligence of humanity rarely penetrates beyond the gross physical covering of the eternal soul. And thus the thus family life has in most cases lost its higher purpose and value. A corollary point established in this verse is that in the age of Kali, a woman is considered a good woman if she is sexually attractive and indeed sexually efficient. This is, uh, you know, Weinstein is in the news now. (laughs) And so it's all very resonant to us. Because it goes on and says, the best example of this superficiality is the incredible attention 20th century people, this was written in the 20th century, 20th century people give to the materialistic movie stars, music stars and other prominent figures in the entertainment industry. In fact, Pursuing sexual experience with various types of bodies is similar to drinking old wine from new bottles, because basically it's the same stuff, packaged differently. But few people in the Kali Yuga can understand this. Finally, this verse states that in the age of Kali, a man will become known as a priest or brahmana merely by wearing ceremonial dress. Uh, in, in India, brahmanas wear a sacred thread, and in other parts of the world, members of the priestly class have other ornaments and symbols. But in the age of Kali, the symbols alone will suffice to establish a person as a religious leader, despite his ignorance of God. I don't just need so much explaining right now. I don't want to go into the plethora of scandals involving the clergy. Uh, so, uh, let's see, text four. Text four goes like this. Lingame vashrama kyadthau anyonya patikaranam Avritya nyaya daubalyam pandite chapalam vachaha. The running translation is A person's spiritual position will be ascertained merely according to external symbols. Uh, knowing his ashram, when it says spiritual position, they talk about your position in in society, and especially you know the brahmanas and so on. Uh, so a person's spiritual position uh, will be ascertained merely according to external symbols, and on that same basis, people will change from one spiritual order to the next again merely by changing symbols. A person's property will be seriously questioned. If he does not, excuse me, a person's propriety, not property, uh, uh, propriety will be seriously questioned if he does not earn a good living. In other words, property is propriety. (laughs) 
and one who is very clever at juggling words will be considered a learned scholar. Hmm? Uh, so lingam here, uh, the external symbol. The word linga uh, means literally sign. Of course, everybody who knows anything about India is the Shiva lingam. But, uh, but linga is also a word that denotes sexual organs, sign of a male, sign of a female, is lingam. And so Shiva became famous for the Shiva lingam. Uh, but it just means a sign, uh, something like that. Uh, this external uh, we have our Vaishnava Tilak that's a kind of a, uh, a, a sign uh, so this will uh, be known as the uh, ashrama uh, whether one is uh, married or renounced and, and so on like that and then uh, and people will uh, 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 change from one to the other uh, and then go back again back and forth back <laughs> like that um, uh, and then if one is uh, uh, avritya uh, uh, yeah, uh, nyaya Where's my uh, I thought I'd look these words up. Anyway, yeah, the the word the word nyaya, you know, it's the word for logic, uh, credibility, but the word uh, nyaya has a kind of uh, uh, the the basic meaning of nyaya is a, a rule or a model or an axiom. It's the original type of something, or if something is done in the right manner or a fit manner. And of course, it also means in a certain context, uh, uh, nyaya. So here they're saying, avritya nyaya darabhadyam. By not, by not, uh, having, by a lack of a good livelihood or good income, nyaya dorbogam, your whole credibility, your whole basis is your questioned. What's wrong with this guy? Something's wrong, you know. You just got no status at all. Betsy Smith again. Nobody's your friend when you're down and out. <laughs> When you got money, they all come, and when you don't have money, they disappear, right? And then, panditye, and being a pandit, a, sc a scholar, chapalam bachaha, tricky words only. Chapalam, flickering, you know, this, this goes up, down, back and forth, juggling, they say here. And trickle, uh, uh, yeah, tricky words. Uh, 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 the purport, the previous verse stated that in the age of Kali, the priestly class will be recognized by external symbols alone. And this verse extends the same principle to the other orders of society. So here they're talking about the linga of a pandit, uh, 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 
uh, uh, excuse me, the linga of 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 a uh, of a uh, vipra, uh, twice born, is the thread. So assembly otherwise simple by external symbols. Uh, uh, you can uh, uh, put on a uniform and now you belong to the military just because you're wearing it, you know, whatever that kind of thing is. Um, and this verse extends the same principle to the other other society, namely the political or military class, the business or productive class, and finally the laborers or artisan classes. It used to be, this was true in, in, in Europe also, that you look at a person and you could immediately tell what their occupation was. Because there were actually laws on the books that said, you know, only kind of, you, only if you're this can you wear this kind of fur. Uh, you know, uh, they disappear. You know, the graduation gowns, those are monks' robes originally because the people who went to universities were, and scholars were all priests. And so that's why they wore the, the gowns, you know, the symbol of a student. Then you just wear the symbol, and then now you get to get rid of that too. But anyway, this this is the this is where they come from. But really, uh, all old societies, people's uh, occupation and status in society were were known by 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 uh, by by what they wore. Uh, in the military, it's still important that on a battlefield you know a person's rank and their position and their unit, so you can identify them quickly. And then in dress uniforms. I, I grew up in a military family. My father was a clear career officer. So when they go out for you know formal occasions, they have these rows of ribbons, and you can read the person's whole career, where they have served, what they have done, and th- things like that. Decorations of valor awards and so on like that. This is this is all of society used to be like that. Uh, now you can't tell. Uh, it used to be that grown-ups dressed one way and children dressed another way in my lifetime, but now everybody looks like children. <laughs> T-shirts and short pants, you know, <laughs> you know, according to the weather, they're all dressed the same. <laughs> I was just reading in the in the paper about a, 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 a writer who wrote a big long. Uh, huge biographies of, of just one of uh, Ulysses S. Grant, a uh, famous guy. And it says that he, he, he lives in New York City. And when he, when he goes to work to write, he just goes, you know, around the corner to a little office upstairs and he's all by himself with his typewriter. But when he goes to work, he wears a coat and tie. <laughs> the old fashioned guy. <laughs> they were remarking how he just dresses for work. <laughs> Even though he. You know, <laughs> So, <laughs> anyway, uh, these, these kinds of things have, have, have gone away. Uh, let me try to finish this purport. Uh, modern sociologists have demonstrated that in those societies chiefly governed by the Protestant ethic, poverty is considered a sign of indolence, dirtiness, stupidity, immorality, and worthlessness. He's referring to the Protestant ethic in the spirit of capitalism. This is a book, famous book by Max Weber, who noticed uh, that capitalism really began where, where there were these people who amassed large fortunes, but 
uh, and displayed it and showed it, uh, but were themselves abstemonious very much in their own lives. Uh, they were all Presbyterians. They, they were all Calvinists. <laughs> Calvinists uh, believe that you can do nothing, to, that God has seen ahead of time whether you're going to be saved or damned. It's already determined. You can't tell. This set up a whole lot of anxiety in people. And then they took solace in the fact that, that God will, uh, there's a verse that and those God has chosen, he will pour out his bounty, that if you had a lot of money, uh, it was a sign of God's favor. This now we have the prosperity gospel, <laughs> uh, where, where the ministers now show off their wealth and you know, you give to God, you will get returned, and it's uh, that kind of thing. That's what he's talking about, the Protestant ethic, uh, why it, w- it was called that way. And, and so that, uh, that, that uh, dirtiness, stupidity, whatever, uh, uh, poverty is, all those, uh, is signs of all those things. It shows that somehow you're immoral. If you're really, you know, set right with God, you'd have money. And if you don't have money, obviously somewhere you've sinned. We just got to find it. Just like if the police go into certain neighborhoods, they know that everybody's a criminal. They can arrest anyone because they're all criminals. We know that already. Right? <laughs> uh, that's still going on. Thus a preference for the simple and the austere may indicate intelligence, self-control, and sensitivity to the higher purpose of life. Of course, in itself, poverty does not establish these virtues, but it may sometimes be the result of them. In the Kali Yuga, however, this possibility is often forgotten. I think uh, St. Francis of Assisi used to talk about lady poverty. You know, like a divine grace of, of poverty. Intellectuality is another causal casualty in the bewildering age of Kali. Kali. Modern so-called philosophers and scientists have created a technical, esoteric terminology for each branch of learning, and when they give lectures, people consider them learned simply because of their ability to speak that which no one else can understand. Definitely. Jargon has a purpose of mystification and excluding others more, more than you need. Sometimes you need a specialized vocabulary for different areas. But In Western culture, the Greek sophists were among the first to systematically argue for, for rhetoric and efficiency above wisdom and purity and sophistry certainly flourishes in the 20th century. These are the enemies of Plato in this, in the, uh, enemies of Socrates in the dialogues. Sophist means someone who's wise, and these were in Greek, uh, these itinerant philosophers who could make you wise, who had knowledge. Uh, what made it, see, when Socrates taught, he charged no fees. There was still Brahminical culture was there. Believe me, there's a historical link that real teachers didn't charge a fees. Like Prabhupada said that about Brahmins, they don't charge. You, whatever donations come, that's okay. They don't. There is no fee. The sophists charged a fee. 
and they could teach you basically how to win arguments. That was the idea, how you can win arguments. Because then you would go into the law courts or in, into the, into the uh, government agencies and then get, your, get, you get what you wanted. That's what it was. Only to win arguments. Guess what? What, what, what is a lawyer now? As a professional sophist, how to win arguments, or a lobbyist, how to you know, uh, and from a kind of uh, rarefied cheating, the cheating then spreads out into everything. Uh, and by the way, when I was uh, you know I was an undergraduate philosophy major, so these are people who were because I wanted to know truth, you know. At the end, I was very disappointed after four years, and I asked a couple of my professors, what, what do you gain by studying philosophy? This is at the University of Pennsylvania. It's an Ivy League university, you know, supposedly uh, you know, top-flight people. I said, why do you study, why have you studied philosophy? He says, to win arguments. That was one of the, <laughs> to win arguments. That was the reason. So it goes on. Modern universities have very little, little wisdom, although they do possess a virtual infinity of technical data. Although many modern thinkers are fundamentally ignorant of the higher spiritual reality, they are, so to speak, good talkers, and most people simply don't notice their ignorance. Okay, into the purport, <laughs> coming under the wire. So that's, that's the, the, the state. Uh, uh, of things in Kali Yuga, and in my lifetime, it's you know, it's getting worse. It's it's uh, progressing as predicted, and so now we will pick up uh, next episode of Kali Yuga. Will be uh, uh, text number five. I don't think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a little purport from Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur for this text. He says, uh, Excellence or degradation in ashram, not knowledge or proper contact, will be judged by wearing deer skin. That was another thing you wear deer skin, carrying a danda or shaving the head. These are all the symbols of renunciation. Inability to give bribes will cause a defeat of justice. That's another way to read this Nyaya Dorabalyam Avritya. You can't bribe people. Uh, uh, nyaya here means legal proceedings. There's another name for Nyaya is legal proceedings. So you'll be deficient in legal proceedings if you don't give bribes. And agitated speech will be considered learning. There's ways. It, tr it translated here based on Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur. Okay. Yeah. All right. Any questions or comments? Dr. Karl in Germany has a uh, comment and a question. Okay. His comment is in regarding to last week's lecture in which you in which life expect expectancy was mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, he has heard that in the USA it has been officially acknowledged that life expectancy is decreasing due to the widespread obesity epidemic. Yeah, that's true. I read that too. 
And his question is, what is the Krishna conscious view of post-genderism? Arguing that gender is an arbitrary and unnecessary limitation on human potential and foreseeing the elimination of involuntary biological and psychological gendering in the human species as a result of social and cultural evolution. This was taken from Wikipedia, he said. Is that right, huh? No kidding. Well, uh, you could see what the Bhagavatam view is. Uh, there's, you know, there, there's a certain amount of fluidity all the time, but there's a basic, you know, biological equipment. And usually, I mean, it seems like sometimes for whatever reason, there are uh, uh, some people who have the subtle body of one gender and the gross body of another gender. That seems to happen. Uh, those people should be a common. I think it's a fairly rare, uh, unless it's being caused by, you know, bad water or air pollution or something. This <laughs> is like, but that 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 does seem to be happening. But but. Uh, uh, you're, you're, you know, it, it, this is a whole big topic, but, but there, there has been in modern times uh, a separation of sex and reproduction from each other. And they're, they're two separate things. Uh, uh, and, and, and that's happened because in a modern industrial society, children are not an asset, they're a liability. And, and and this this has become and that's an that's really is an artificial uh, uh, way of uh, that's a, uh, yeah an artifact of in, industrialization, where the family is no longer a unit of production. It just became a unit of consumption, and now it's not a unit of anything. It's not a unit anymore, uh, and. Uh, you know, uh, you don't need a husband. You don't even need another human being to become a you know pregnant, or you could just do it through uh, mail order or whatever. You know, <laughs> these are the kind of these are kind of things that have done that. That I don't think that's going to actually result in uh, uh, healthy, well-rounded happy population in the long run. And a decreasing population, which is, which is what's happening, of course. If the United States, people in the United States are freaking out about immigration or in the UK, you know. But the fact is, if we didn't have immigrants, there wouldn't be anybody here. Because once children are, 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 are a liability or a very expensive hobby, um, then uh, uh, two people get married and maybe have one child, so you don't even you don't you don't increase the population. It dwindles, and a lot of people just don't bother to have children anymore because what's it worth? You know, you, you know, you they're not your you know. When, if the family's unit of production, children become economically uh, productive at the age of four or five, doing chores around the house, whatever, and it, it if also you, you know, you, the family is also, uh, has some amount of farming going on like that, or uh, a family business. They start to participate. 
child labor is fine if it's within the family. And of course, it became a scandal when you industrialized and these people automatically, children went off to factories and it turned out to be not the same as working in your home with your family, you know. So then they outlawed child labor and then, you know, so that, that's the problem. It's, this, this modern industrial society is, is artificial. And it has to go back to having food and, and energy production as local as possible. Once you set the goal that the aim of human life is self-realization, then things, the society will change to better meet that goal. And you'll find out that your basic needs are like, without being excessively greedy, are plenty for everybody. No problem. But some people have a lot more than they need, and other people have a lot less than they need. Vijay Krishna Prabhu asks, when the Pope says, who am I to judge? When questioned on the position of Catholic Church on homosexuality, what kind of answer is that? Some sort of compromising? Prabhupada never compromised on this matter. Prabhupada was always against homosexuality. Yeah, he was. Uh, he uh, would not accept, yeah. Uh, sex is for reproduction, and so... Uh, uh, that's what he said. But when the Pope said, who am I to judge? I think he was just being humble. You know, we have what we say, but God is the ultimate judge, not me. That's the charitable way of looking at what he said. Uh, and you can see it that way too. You may, you, because you don't know. The person that looks like they're holy in every way, you don't know what goes on. You don't see their hearts. And you don't know what people have gone through. So it's always better to be charitable in the sense of giving people uh, uh, the benefit of the doubt. Should Prabhupada also have many disciples who came with that inclination? Uh, with that, Wait a second. With that predispos predisposition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he didn't reject them. No. He, in fact, he was very charitable. He gave them initiation. Of course, uh -huh. he expected them to follow the principles. He did, yeah. Yeah. And I've heard you say several times before that it ends up being more exactly about that, the following the principles rather than... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That we can get into these topics of anti-this, anti-that, but really it's, well, let's talk about who's following any of the principles. Exactly, the right. That's a very good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you follow the principles, probably didn't care. Once there was, I remember now there was one, 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 one uh, person in, in the movement who uh, decided he was a woman, and then uh, did that for a while and decided to go back and be a man. And Prabhupada just said, "Just, just choose one and stick to it. <laughs> choose one. Decide to be either a man or a woman, but stick to it. Don't keep changing." <laughs> Kendra Guru asked, he said, have you ever experienced the phenomenon of people being attracted or not attracted to Krishna consciousness based on the principle of avritta nyaya dorbalam? Or in other words, asking themselves, how can these people have anything substantial to say if they're not people of substance? 
the whole get a job mentality. Yeah. It's like many who aspire to a life of outreach, but who are not so well healed, would do well to cultivate the opulence of detachment. Would you care to comment on that? Well, pe people will always say, you know, that, that anybody that becomes a Hare Krishna devotee is a loser. You know, I mean, I, you know, I encountered that, that when I became a devotee. And when people would find out, you know, I had an Ivy League degree and all that kind of, and actually graduate degree, you know, they're like astounded. And I remember one Indian person, you know, we, 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 we were going to get Indians to come, come to our, immigrants to come to our uh, place. And when they discovered, I remember one, well, who was his name? He used to stand up in front of our congregation, uh, a physician actually, a... a, 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 a neurologist or something, you know, a specialist uh, surgeon in our congregation, when he discovered that, uh, that, that, you know, I had some material credentials, stood in front of our congregation and would tell everybody, you know, he's here because he wants to be here. It's not that he failed in everything, because that's what even our Indians were thinking, which probably says about the state of the Brah those who are Brahmanas. I mean, right now in India, one reason sacrifice is not being done is all the brahmanas, the, the, the children from brahmana families, are in information technology. They're not learning the sutras, they're learning computer codes. You know, that's what they're doing. So once in a while we, 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 uh, we, we will get that, but, uh, uh, because that's, that's what people think. When when we got married, your relatives, my wife's relatives, were seriously concerned that I must be a drug addict <laughs> because I'm a member of the Hare Krishna yeah. movement. We back on the street, we distribute books. What else? What else? What other background could I have possibly uh -huh. come from? Uh -huh. And then later on, years and years later, my wife took her sisters. That was basically her family because her parents had been gone uh, to India, and that's where they saw. Krishna consciousness in its more native state in South India and in our big temples throughout the Indian subcontinent. And that gave them a whole new perspective yeah. on the movement that they didn't necessarily get so much here because they thought it was kind of a Western adaptation here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything else? Vijay Krishna Prabhu asks, I am confused with the term or with the item propriety. Do I need to be poor in order to be recognized as proper? Uh, no, what, what, the, what the verse is saying, that if you are poor, you will not be recognized as proper. Something is wrong with you. You're morally deficient. Propriety means uh, rightly situated morally and, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, being a proper person. And so there's something wrong. It's a moral flaw. Yeah, that's what they think of, of as propriety. And he also asks, he says, in my preaching, people often have been asking on the last mass shooting in Las Vegas. They ask, why does this horrible thing happen in the most civilized country of this planet? Any help? Because it's not so civilized as it seems. That's what's happened. Uh-huh. We think we're civilized, 
But again, how do you judge? It's the same, same thing as today's verse. How do, what's civilization? What, what are the standards of civilization? What are the standards of advancement? The standard of advancement should be actually the standard of the mode of goodness. Right now, it's the standard of advancement is uh, the mode of passion. You do that very well. You don't get you don't get satisfied. Then you become angry and you go to the mode of ignorance. And then you, you know, go up in a high room and with a automatic weapon and kill a lot of people just to get back at people for not making you happy. The mode of ignorance. The result of the mode of passion is misery. Just remember that much. You know a lot about this world. And you know what the future is too. Because that's our standard of advancement. Anything else? Good. Okay. So next week we'll pick up again in the horror show of modern times. <laughs> With... Uh, Text number five. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai.